Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Current Blue podcast. I'm Dan Rowenson, as always, joined by Matt Kendrick after the match at Villa Park today. Uh, we're here for the next 20 minutes or so, so half seven, I'm calling it quits, no matter how deep in conversation we are, because we've got other work to do on a Saturday evening. Uh, Matt, back from Villa Park for the second game in a row. A little bit more sombre than last week with a, a one or draw rather than a, a victory over Newcastle, but I'm still pretty encouraged, I think. How did, how did you see today? Yeah, I've, I've followed some of the post-match media from places, listened to Dino and listened to a few people on, on WM and seen bits on Twitter. And I'll probably probably round myself in a bit because I was feeling a bit flat, to be honest. And uh, my nephew who comes to the games with us said to me at the end, he said, I'm not angry, I'm disappointed, like like you'd say to a, a scolded child. Um, I think it was, it was disappointment because... I think even in my mind, perhaps I'm being harsh, but even with the, the 11 that we put out there, I think we could have had a little bit more inclination to go and win the game mm. second half, if I'm being honest. So I think that's what I'm frustrated about. But, you know, if you look at the facts of the matter and we're without our captain, Toro means that our vice captain, John McGinn, Jacob Ramsey's got COVID as well, we believe, who, you know, played, played very well last week. Um, Leon Bailey, you know, one of our new main men. We've not seen him at Villa Park yet and so on and so forth. You know, Bertrand Traore. You know, we're half a dozen or more players out at the moment against the Brentford side who come up, you know, really, really confident, you know, started really well to the season uh, and, you know, really want to make sure that, that people know that they belong in the Premier League. So I suppose, you know, what are we now? two and a half hours since the match finished. I can, in context, I think there's no need to be too 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 doom and gloom. We just mm-hmm. hope that this international break gives us a chance to get get those half a dozen players back fit and firing again. Yeah, I absolutely hate international breaks and three games into a new season after being away from going to games for so long. It just feels like a horrible time, but probably a good time for Villa with the injuries and, and the COVID isolation as well. I've not seen anything. I've literally come back on the train and started this straight away. I saw pre-match or when the team news came out that they said that Ramsey and, Ming, uh, Ramsey and McGinn sorry, were missing through COVID guidelines. Have they confirmed that they've got COVID or they're just isolating because of a family member or a friend? Or do we know that? that anymore, do you? I don't, honestly, I don't know. Well, Dean Smith was missing from pre-season, wasn't he? Because his wife had it. Yeah, but the world's changed, hasn't it, since then? I think, I think the restrictions have been eased up a bit. I'm sure they'll tell us in the comments if I'm speaking nonsense. But... Uh... I don't it's know what deal if they've got it, isn't it? Because that's how, there's the after effects of, of what if they've actually got the illness. If they if they're just going to be back after the international break, we missed them for today, and yeah, that probably was have a, a bit of an impact on on the result potentially as well. They will come on to Chuck Wankers. I, I thought he was decent, and, and Douglas Louise looked good as well. Um, yeah, if they if they're just missing through isolation, and they come back after the, after uh, international break, and it's not the end of the world. If they've got it and are struggling fitness wise, then yeah, that that is long term a bad thing for us. 
Yeah, by, by COVID related, like I say, it may have been confirmed that they've got it, but I assume to, to believe that, assume by that, that they, they have got it. Uh, so, yeah, hope, let's hope if they have got it that it's uh, a mild dose of it, if there is yeah. such a thing, and that the, 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 the little bit of rest that the fixture list affords them in the next couple of weeks means that they're, they're back back in time for the next game. I've seen a few comments and they're, they're coming in live at the moment about the money we spent and there was one that I read on our YouTube comments that was left on our last podcast um, after today's results saying, oh, we spent £100 million and we're still not good enough to beat Brentford and Watford and so I understand the, the frustrations and it's it's been a disjointed pre-season. We've got players missing, like you said, and yeah, it probably is an average start at best, isn't it? One, one draw, one loss, one against teams on paper. People are saying, oh, if you want to get into Europe, you've got to beat these sides. But it's not always as simple as that, is it? Someone tweeted me saying, well, the next three are difficult, but don't you write off the next three because they're difficult games. We beat Arsenal twice. Well, Arsenal's probably not a great example, but you know, we beat them twice last year. We beat Chelsea, beat Spurs. So it's not literally, you know, oh, those, those next three are difficult. Let's write them off. Um, yeah, we'll get too excited about beating bottom of the league Arsenal twice. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. thing is, yeah, though, it's, like, it's, it's, it's a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago when we first got promoted, or even parts of last year, if you if you were without Mings, McGinn, Traore, Bailey, I know we didn't have those players, but that amount of first team players missing, we'd have definitely lost today. So, I'm not saying some kind of massive progress to be able to draw against Brentford rather than lose, but I think the squad depth clearly is stronger now because we were in a better place now than we were last year. Yeah, listen, uh, uh, the thing that's frustrating me, if I'm being honest, and this is something that can't be helped because players get injured, players get ill. Something that's frustrating me is that when we coped with, when, when we knew that he who shall not be named was leaving. There was a Can real... we stop calling Jack Grealish that now, by the way? We've got over the initial burn of it. Call him Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish. Call him Joe yeah. Grealish. Um, like he's Voldemort all of a sudden. There was a real flurry of excitement given the fact that we had, we'd signed Buendia already. We'd signed Leon Bailey. That We'd signed, um, we signed Danny Ings and it looked, you know, I think the, the um, Smith Roaster had been and gone then, but it looked like room for, for James Ward-Prowse. There was a real positivity about it. And my, my frustration is that if Villa, even without, you know, a couple of players that, that we didn't sign, that if we'd have been able to get our strongest 11 on the pitch for the first three games of the season, I think we would have been a lot, staying the obvious no, but we would have been, been a lot better off. So yeah, my right. frustration is that I don't want this to become a malaise. I want us to have, I want us to have some real momentum. Uh, and that's that's my biggest concern. But again, what can you do about it if it plays? It, work, it works both ways, doesn't it? Because we started last season well, and not just the start as well. We were good for up until what October, November. We you know we had a good, great first 10, 12 games, whatever it was, and then ultimately fall away from from trying to get into Europe and finishing mid table with a poor run of results in the second half of the season. It's not as simple to just go started well last year and finish poorly, and we do the reserve reverse of that this season. But it's not the be all, be all and end all, is it? We're three games in judge us where we are after 12, after 15 games. I don't think there's too much to be panicked about as as yet. Of course, it's disappointing. I'm not going to sit here and say that four points against Watford, Newcastle and, and Brentford is a, is a good start because it isn't. But there's potential there with this team because there's so many players missing that we get better this season. We get stronger with time rather than starting well and falling away. I fully expect the team to, once they've gelled and all those, those injuries depart us. We've had a, a, a rotten start really when it comes to, to injuries and stuff this team should get better in theory. So if we start poorly and finish stronger, momentum going into the back end of the season is surely more important than how you start. 
Yeah, three games in. With three games in. Um, How many points would you have liked? Like, what would have been acceptable? For the first Don't three games? Nine. Yeah, for the three 16. that we've played. Um, you'd have wanted to go to, to Watford on the opening day of the season and got at least a point. And you'd want to win your two first two home games. That's mm. seven. And we've got what? Four. four. I'd have been quite happy with six, to be honest. Four is below average. It is it isn't a great start. There's no way of, of dressing that up, but I'm not going to sit here and panic after three games. Yeah, people have different barometers of what success is, though. I've, I've said all this, you know, over the summer and this season. You lose Jack Grealish, you know, regardless of your recruitment, you're still, you're still to beat last season is an achievement to me. And I said, you know, I was accused of being a bit negative when I said, you know, I think Villa will finish ninth and I think that would represent progress. I'm sure four points from the first first three games of the season still leaves ninth open to you. Anyway, you know, it's, you know, who, if, if Villa, are, you know, if Villa are going to attack Europe, then obviously we can't drop this point to this rate, particularly against the teams that we, that we've, that we failed to beat. But, it's three games in it. I just want to. I want to see. I'm, I'm probably investing a bit too much in Leon Bailey. To be honest, he's the one that we've only seen a real short glimpse of. I, I want to see him at Villa Park. Uh, I was worried when I saw Konza limp mm. off for the last. Have we heard anything of that? As Smith mentioned it, like I said, I've not seen any of the post-match stuff. Have they said how bad bad they think that injury could be? I haven't seen him. I know I got home an hour earlier than you, and I should have done the research, but I've been drinking this. Uh, Twice as nice from Aldi. He's IPA <laughs> 6.6. .6. So if I have seen anything about Con's injury, I've forgotten it already. So perhaps they can tell us in the comments whether whether Dino's giving an update on that. Um, I heard him on the go on. What I was going to say, what did you make of that lineup when you saw it? Because as always, there's a, there's a meltdown on social media when the team news comes out. There's rumours this morning that McGinn and Mings might be missing. And you think, oh, well, who knows where that's come from? And even yesterday, there was talk of McGinn with Kovac. I, I asked Ash about it with the press conference, and he said, "Look, that I don't ever kind of give anything away like that with injuries, which is is what we've come to expect." And I suppose when it comes to things like COVID, and it's a more of a medical issue rather than an injury that they they don't have to say anything. So that's all kind of fair enough. I always say, like I've seen plenty of team sheets come out and think, "Oh, that's poor. That's not great." And then you go and win two 0 or something. And I think, well, what was I worried about four hours ago? So. I kind of take every team news now with a pinch of salt. So seeing Chuck Maker in there, Ashley Young, I expected to play left mid and it looked like he was playing more central midfield, really, like a, a advanced midfielder, more so than the city midfielder in there that we used to. Um, no Mings, obviously, as well. Watkins was back on the bench. So, yeah, everyone's got within their rights to look at that and worry a little bit. But in theory, you go there and still win. So the initial reaction to the team shoot, wasn't really fussed. Then you go one nil down after two minutes or whatever it was. And you think, oh Christ, here we go. But Villa did well to bounce back and get their goal straight away, didn't they? And I feel like, like I said earlier, go back a year, eighteen months, we probably carry on and go on to lose that still. Yeah, the team sheet. Um, you know, I wasn't expect when I saw the team sheet. I wasn't expecting Villa to line up the way that they lined up. Uh, I thought I thought it'd be a two with Douglas Louise and, and Chukwemeka. And then I thought that it'd be a three and a one with Ings up top, and then perhaps Young on the Young on the the left, Al Ghazi on the right, and um, you know, all, all intertwining. And Wendy perhaps as a ten. So I did have a surprise when Ashley Young, you know, as, as we as the kickoff was was made, and, and Ashley Young was was playing centre mid. 
Um, you know, I know we chatted about this, didn't we, on WhatsApp, what, what we both thought about that. I think it probably was the fact that, um, you know, the 17-year-old kid in there and Douglas Louise, who speaks very, very limited English <laughs> despite his lessons over the last couple of couple of years, I think, you know, Smith probably wanted to grow up in there. And he knows, actually, you know, super, super professional. He can play, play in any position on the pitch. And I think uh, Smith was saying that he phoned Young at eight o'clock last night to tell him and Young said, yes, yeah, fine, whatever. As long as I'm not going to go in goal, I'll play anywhere. Uh, well, the quality is you've got to play at left back and kind of be translated into central midfield anyway. So I don't really see why the major issue is to put him over there. Um, it's an experienced head, isn't it? You're missing your captain and your vice captain today. So Young is your, I mean, Young's your senior pro anyway at 36, but he's got the most experience. Slots in there alongside a 17-year-old and still makes things tick. I actually quite like seeing, seeing him in centre midfield. It's a, an option that I mean, people will probably start to say, oh, that shows that our recruitment's not great, that 37-year-old Ashley Young is playing central midfield. But for today... Yeah, 36, man. That was 36, my apologies. That makes all the difference. Um, that that It does a job for today, doesn't it? And no more than that. He's not going to play there all season. Yeah, he was okay there, wasn't he? I mean, I think, think nobody was more than a six or six and a half out of ten in my mind anyway. I think there's one moment where he got caught in possession early in the first half. I thought we started poorly, you know. I know without the goal, yeah. I think even, even before the goal, you know, there's misplaced passes and under-hit passes and... I thought it was a bit of a bit of a flat start. Perhaps they were feeling the way in as a new team uh, that hadn't played together before. I thought Young Young was okay in there. Um, I thought um, Chukamaker was. I thought again he was okay. Sixty minutes, you know. I think he'll he'll, he'll grow into it. Um, I think you know he's he's, he's saying the obvious in it, but we saw saw some of the you know the the buttons he was pushing and the strings he was pulling. Against Barrow in midweek, it's a different beast in it playing. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, so, but the fact that that again Smith is confident enough to, to push him forward, I think it's a statement about Hurahan. I think it's a mm-hmm. statement about um, Nakamba as well. Although I don't think he likes Nakamba necessarily. Nakamba and Louise in the same in the same midfield. Um, but that's probably the area, isn't it? That's probably the area where we still we either need Morgan Sanson to come in. And be the be the player that we all hoped hoped he would be, uh, and or despite Smith playing it very playing a very straight bat at his press conference yesterday, we need another midfielder in there because mm. if we're going to play with Mings, not Mings, with Ings and Watkins on the field at the same time, and he is going to play those as a two up front together, and he, if he goes four four two. Is there any combination of villas of two villa midfielders who you think would be able to face up against a, a three man midfield from, from many of their rivals? I'm I'm not sure they would. Um, I think I think the way we've played today and Newcastle shows it through four three three is the way to go. Because we just look more balanced. And you can see that those three are what? Louise, Ramsey, McGinn last week against Newcastle, I think it was. Um uh, and then today Chuckermaker, Young and Douglas Louise, which is very you know, mis- misshapen, isn't it? It's, a, it's cobbled together because of yeah. the situation. Like you said, I don't think Nakamba's going to start in there as well. People here in the comments are asking, why is Harahan not playing? Harahan should have started, said, says Chris. It's not going to be, is he? I know he was the captain against Barrow, but I, th- I didn't even think he'd be here at this point. But I'd be amazed if he was still here past the deadline day next week because he wants to play football. There's just nothing for Harahan to offer to Villa now. 
people say we're, we're beyond him and all that kind of stuff. I don't know whether that's necessarily the point, but if Chuck Wamaker and Ashley Young are playing in there when you've got a midfield crisis, Harahan does not fit into this Dean Smith side, so he'll go, won't he? No, and it was interesting reading some of Smith's pre-match comments yesterday when he was asked about transfers. and Again, reading to it as much or as little as you like, but when he spoke about Courtney Hawes, he was saying, you know, I'm not ruling it out, him going out anywhere, but we we need him. And that was, that's was that been proven today. Yeah. Uh, by the fact that the other centrals are falling like flies. Uh, and well, El Ghazi, I think he, he batted that away saying, you know, he scored... 10 goals last season from, from wide areas. So why would I get rid of him? And yet the other, the third one he was asked about was, was Connor. And he's like, well, he went out last January, you know, we, if there's an opportunity for him to go, he'll go again. Um, you know, I, I like him a lot. He's a great, great bloke, but he, he, he can go effectively. And yeah. I think the team selection and, and, and how it unfolded today suggests that, doesn't it? It proves that. I wanted to ask you about Buendia. Obviously, he got the goal. Seems to be finding his feet a little bit more now, trying to you know, gel with his new teammates effectively. Match fitness getting up there as well. More impressed with him yet? I saw people writing him off last week, saying you know, thirty-three million waste of money and all this kind of stuff. It's like play two games, give him a chance. I was um, I was cursing him when he took that when he took that shot on because Cash was in acres. <laughs> I thought just just slot him in there. Was, he, when he turned, I was like, oh, he's messed it up. <laughs> he's messed it up. So he does that little kind of half Cruyff turn or whatever on the on the edge of the box, and I thought, yes, well done. You've created the space. Let's play him, play Matty Cash. Uh, but no, he's, he's, he's pinged it in the corner. Um, I think I've, it's hard, isn't it? You know, he comes as Villa's Villa's record transfer, and we all know that he's the one who's been given, you know, the job of, of replacing Jack Grealish effectively, albeit be with, with people alongside him. You know, Christian Perslow said he, it was a three-man three man job to replace Jack Grealish. But I, I think there's been glimmers. I don't think, I think he's been, I think he's been okay. Hmm. I think, it, again, six out of ten today probably elevates, uh, elevated a little bit more than that with his goal. I was looking at on Villa's, Villa's Twitter Man of the Match award, and you know I can't really award a Man of the Match today. I thought, you know, El Ghazi probably first half was, you know, half decent down down the left. Um, but yeah, I think I think this I think there's a, a lot lot more to come from 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 yeah. one day. But I think it's the signs. Side, that, I think. Well, yeah, yeah, but I think the signs that we, we we've seen have been encouraging enough. You, you know, probably wanting to you know there's there's, there's a, a moment where a couple of moments where he lost possession because he was taking an extra flick or a twist or something in the middle of the park where it wasn't necessary, mm. uh, which, you know, I think that's going to have to be ironed out of him quite quickly. Not, not, I'm not saying, you know, get rid of his flair and stuff like that, but I think, you know, we want him to use his quick feet where he's going to make a difference. If him doing that's going to slow down, you know, attacking moves, then there's no reason to do that. But, I think, yeah, I think I'd give him, you know, I didn't didn't see the Watford game, uh, but I know I understand he was poor. I think probably for the last couple of games, you'd, you'd give him give him a couple of sixes, like I maybe a seven because he conjured that bit of magic for the goal. I know you're not a medical man. And I think uh, someone said that, uh, Smith said that Mings' injury was a cracked rib. Is that a long-term injury? How long does a cracked rib keep you out for? Do you know? Mate, if you if you spare ribs, you want to talk about, I can do that. But uh, I don't listen. He's he's a he's a big strong lad, isn't he? So you just just stick him in a girdle or something, won't you? Or stick him in a stick him in something that that a bit, bit of 
a bit of protective, you know, put him in a Kevlar vest or something, and he'll be uh, he'll be fine. Listen, the interesting thing, he's still got called up for, for England, so we'll know how severe that is. That, surely. Well, that, that's we'll know how severe it is, won't we? If he still goes to England. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. But um, I think, you know, this is where Villa need to be like other other big, big clubs and say, our player's injured. He's not, you know, he's not, not joining up with you. If he's not fit enough to play for us, you know, tough. I've um, long about Buendia Martinez because Argentina's not on the quarantine rules or whatever it is. So if they go, they have to come back and miss league games with Villa and they've said to them, look, we don't want you to go, but it's ultimately still the player's decision. So that's a similar thing, isn't it? I, I would quite like Villa to just go, no, you're not going. You're more important to us, but playing for the country and all that kind of thing, it's, I suppose you can't deny them that if they want to go. Yeah, it's a pain that I'm sure Jed Steer saying, "Go on, go." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, to, uh, did you want to give somebody a shout out? Yeah, but before that, just one more last football point. I know we said half seven cut off point. Transfer deadline day next Tuesday, I think it is. Um, do you think we'll sign another midfielder? Because you've got Ash Young's played central mid now, and two uh, two youngsters, Chuck Mike and Ramsey, playing their starting games in the Premier League. Nakamba doesn't really fit in. McGinn's now potentially out with, with COVID and how that affects his fitness. Douglas Louise has pretty much played non-stop football since June 2020 with uh, Project Restart last season, the Olympics, and now back in for us here. I, th- I think Villa will know that they're probably quite light in midfield in terms of quality. It's just whether a deal becomes available is, is probably the sticking point. If a player becomes available who's too good to turn down, I think they'll sign somebody. If there isn't the right deal there, I don't see them signing somebody just for the sake of it because it's another body, isn't it? You still got Sanson to come back, and he's the enigma still at this point. So, if you had to kind of have a, a gut decision now, do you see a midfielder coming in or not? What's the um, what's the rumours about um, Axel Vitzel? Uh, um, he's thirty odd, isn't he? I've seen him play centre back a little bit, but I think he's a great, he's a good player. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know what, the, what, what again, I'm showing ignorance, but I don't know whether there was talk of whether it'd be a loan deal or whether they'd just get him on a on a, on a short-term, you know, prop, proper signing. But oh, it's, it's deadline day. We, we want one, don't we, for the excitement of, of, of having another signing. Uh, I think there will be one, you know. I think I think Villa will try and add to that mid, midfield department. Mm. Uh, because, like I say, if... If they are going to find a way that accommodates um, Ings and Watkins in, in that starting lineup, they're going to need. They've got need sure they've got make sure they've got a better security blank, blanket behind them. Um, As you say that, I still can't imagine how we play all those together. Because if Ings and Watkins play, surely Brendier and, Bar- and Barkley. I'm reading comments saying Barkley definitely he's not playing for us. Brendier, those four surely can't all play because Villa want to play midfield three. So I don't know how Villa fit all these signings in. To be honest. That's probably a debate for another day. I don't know. Just keep moving after young around the team, don't you? That's the way you do it. You yeah. just keep. Um, I'm not sure. I'll, like I said, perhaps it's wishful thinking. I, I do think they'll they'll do another another piece of business, but potentially on loan. Uh, that's not inside information. That's just as you know from this podcast. Um, <laughs> that's just 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 my my own feeling. But again, maybe that's just because something that that I want to happen. Yeah. Well, we'll call it a day there. We'll be doing another post-match podcast on Monday. I know you want... I'm going to do my little shout-out. No, the- no. Do you know, do you know what we've not found, we've not failed to mention? What? The referee. Oh, poor. 
poor refereeing again. So far in the Premier League, in, in the games I've watched from, from Villa and the other sides, I've thought the refereeing has been improved this year. There's all this talk about kind of letting things more go and letting the game flow. And from, from the first two game weeks, I thought, yeah, this this seems to work better. Like the, the referees seem more switched on this year. And you'll get things go against you where you think, mm, that was probably a foul. But then you get something in, you know, something back. And, you know, yeah, fair enough. He's letting things go for both sides. Today, pretty much anything Brentford wanted, they got. We got absolutely nothing. He was weak, didn't control the game and kept breaking it up. So that was unlike the first couple of games we've seen. I know the Watford one was a write-off for us, but seeing games across the league that, that flow nice, and today was not that at all. Letting them time waste, just poor, poor control from the ref. I don't know who it was, but... Peter Banks. Yeah, Peter Banks. I'm sure I heard my son calling him a banker at some stage. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just, just dreadful. I, I don't yeah. think it was... Like you say, it was just so stop-start. There was just no... Mo- Second half, there was just no momentum. Yeah, I um, think that's what the Villa side need as well. Like, they're not going to be there just yet. But, the, you know, you want to be playing free-flowing, counter-attacking football, don't you? And you're not allowed to do that. Referees keep putting in every five seconds, trying to grab some attention. Not a fan at all. No, he was a real, um, real pain in the backside. But um, anyway, yeah, we want to wrap this up, don't we? Yes. Um, so, yeah, we'll do a, a more in-depth post-match podcast on, on uh, Monday morning. I don't know whether it'll be Ash or James or whoever's doing it. It won't be you and me. I'll know that because... We're not going to talk about the same game twice. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to give a quick shout out. We did this at the start of the last podcast, so I don't know whether the people who I'm going to mention are going to watch this far. So this is a test <laughs> of them more so than anything else. But got, went on the train today and got there before my dad. And uh, the guy on the end of our row, I had to get past him to get to my seat. Been there years. Never really spoken to him much apart from the odd thing. And he was like, I was watching a podcast last weekend. And I was like, I'm sure I recognise that, that face. And then I was like, oh yeah, it's you. You sit on my row. And I got chatting to him about that. And then the guy behind me, you now I mentioned like how you sit around all these people you don't know the name, yeah. comes in and he goes, Martin. And I was like, how mad is that? It's like, oh, I was watching the podcast and you're saying about you don't know the people that sit around your name. He's like, I don't know your dad's name either. I've been here for, I mean, I've been sitting in that same seat for 15 seasons, I think it is. So only today, thanks to the mention on the podcast, I know the guy behind me is called Martin. But having said that, now that there's two people around me that watch the podcast, I can't, I've got to be careful. I can't be like, oh, that guy behind me today was talking absolute <laughs> nonsense because Martin will be tuning in now going, that might have been me. So, yeah, just yeah. disguise yeah. it. Just, yeah, just, yeah. just say along the opposite side. Yeah. Um, no, it's good. It's nice that you actually, we're actually playing a part in, in uniting people and uh, bringing people together. I've got, a, I've got a shout out as well. This is becoming a bit boring, I know, but uh, <laughs> while, I, while I was queuing up for chips, there was a guy called um, actually the Dunny Brothers. Have you written this down? <laughs> It was Tom and Ben, and I think it was Tom who came over to chat to me. Tom and Ben from Stabry, the Dunny Brothers. I'll tell you what, this is this is ridiculous. One of them, I think it was Tom, said he was actually on work experience with me when I was um, working at the Express and Star in 2000. And, uh, wow. and I took him to court when we were covering a particularly violent assault case. Um, so Did you remember? He's followed, he's followed my career since then. I think he was really saying he was with me. I hope it wasn't one of the ones in the dock. Um, I'm sure it wasn't Tom, um, and it's a bit was a pleasure to meet you. And just quickly, um, I never read this one out the other week, but I did tweet it. The bloke Lee, a villa addict who is a heating engineer for S- SMS Solihull, um, he serviced the boiler of my mum and dad's house on 27th of July last oh, uh, last month. Well, uh, yeah, obviously July last month. Uh, so up the villa, said we mentioned him. So hello, Lee. Thanks for listening. Thanks for surfing the boiler. 
Anger Bradley, right. Martin, Tom, and the other guys, <laughs> Ben, I think. Uh, thank you very much for watching the Carbury podcast and everyone for tuning in. As I say, we'll do something more, a bit, a bit more in depth and serious, I guess, on Monday. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.